So uh, back in the day, uh, at Christmas time, uh, my family and I would go to my grandma's house, my grandma the witch, on Christmas Eve every year. Uh, she lived over uh, on Ash Street, just off Horn, and all my cousins, aunts, uncles would all go there and eat and open presents and visit and have a good time on Christmas Eve. And, and one year, I know I remember, uh, I was. I was anxious because, you know, I had heard that if uh, you were not at your house when Santa came, that he would just go on to the next house. So I was really nervous. I was like, we, we, we don't want to miss Santa, so we got to get out of this. We have to leave, like now. And then my parents, uh, they uh, put me off. And, and so I said, well, at least I'm going to keep watch. And so I went and it was a front living room and big picture window. And so I, I went and I stood behind the drapes looking outside so that I could, you know, with the bright room, I, you know, this way I could actually see out into the darkness and, uh, and keep watch uh, for Santa. And I was there for a while and uh, parties going on, on on the other side of the curtains and I'm looking out and then I, you know, to this day, I'm sure that I saw something. I'm sure it was, it, it, it may have been Santa, uh, zooming across the sky. But either way, I, I just remember that I got very excited and I told everybody, I, I just saw Santa in the sleigh and we, we gotta go. <laughs> and so uh, my parents were like, oh, okay. And so a couple hours later, we did leave. <laughs> And we got home and uh, we put out the uh, milk and cookies uh, for Santa. Sometimes my dad would put a beer out for him and uh, that was always something that was consumed by Santa. He never let that go. And either way, I, 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 as I'm laying there in bed, I, the house was very quiet and, and I was uh, trying to stay awake so that I could hear him. I wanted to see him. But I, I dozed off to sleep and and I, you know, I don't know how he, you know, he did it because you know, I got up in the morning and I went to the top of the steps. We weren't allowed to go downstairs until mom and dad were up. And, and I kind of looked down through the, the banister of the steps into the living room and I said, he came. We didn't miss him. But I wanted, I wanted to see him. How does he do it? I mean, all those presents and he's got the reindeer clapping around and and he's guzzling down that beer, and it's like, how did I not hear him? Boy. So I, uh, I marvel at that, and, and you know, the, is, in thinking about it, I said, well, he had a good teacher. So do we. And that silence, that stealth, that being able to enter in unknown and undiscovered, St. Nicholas, all the saints, us. All we have to look to is, is Jesus himself. Who's better in it than him? And look what he does. Sneaking all in uh, on Christmas in the best hiding place ever, ourselves. And even more so as a baby, right? There's a, a writer, you, many of you have probably heard of him, uh, C.S. Lewis. 
And he, he posits that Jesus uh, coming in the flesh is like, a, is like a warrior sneaking behind enemy lines to do battle. And then there's, uh, there's another uh, Catholic writer of the last century, Teilhard de Chardin, and he, and he said, no, it's more like yeah, Jesus coming in our flesh is like an artist, fully composed and, and confident, walking into a studio to take up the brush and to begin the great work. But what, you know, brothers and sisters, what if it's both in a certain sense? But not, as C.S. Lewis posits, going behind enemy lines, but how about Jesus sneaking quietly, not behind enemy lines, but into occupied territory, to take it back, to sneak into our occupied hearts and to steal it back for him. Maybe he does this. But then Chardin can be correct as well, that he is that artist who, confident, poised, ready, goes into a studio only to discover that the studio is a wreck. It's broken. It's a mess. But in that confidence, he takes up the work to repair it, to restore it, to make it beautiful again. It can be both, can it? This is what Jesus does. He sneaks into occupied territory, into our hearts to discover, as the artist does, that it's a mess, it's broken, and it needs to be fixed. And so he begins the great work of restoration and renewal and to make us beautiful again. Ah, he's, he knows how to do it. And so we, we trust that, that it's in the flesh that Jesus comes as God and takes on our human nature so as to win us back and to restore us and to make us beautiful again. It's in the flesh. Take scripture any way you want, but there's no denying it. It's in the flesh. It's in the flesh that we are created it's in the flesh that we create. It's in the flesh that we fell and are fallen. It's in the flesh that we are redeemed. You know, we're, we're such need of that renewal. Another Catholic a poet, Manly Hopkins, puts it this way. In his great long poem, but this is the last line. Speaking of us, Jack, joke, poor potsherd, matchwood, patch, immortal diamond. That's what Jesus does for us. And we hide ourselves in all our broken woundedness behind the curtain, looking up and out into the darkness. 
and to spy our salvation, not in that cold, remote star or a fleeting sleigh, but the baby who steals behind occupied territory to win us home. And so we come out from our hiding place. We come out from beyond the veil. And we approach the manger. And we see him reaching up and out. Reaching up for us to pick him up and to embrace him and to kiss him and to love him and to hold him to our hearts so that he might free us and that he might enter in as the artist and make us new again. Jack joke. Poor potchard. Matchwood. Patch. Immortal diamond. Merry Christmas.